Today on the show, we're talking about living on minimum wage. Welcome to Simple Money Solutions Podcast, your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. My name's Courtney, I'm your host, and today I'm joined with my co-host Trevor, and we're talking about living on minimum wage. So this is a topic I think everyone can relate to. You might not be living on minimum wage, but you probably know somebody who, who's trying to or has or will be. So I think this, this is a topic relevant to probably everybody. So Trevor, my big question for you, and probably one that all of our listeners are thinking right now, is can it be done? So normally this is a question we, we'd answer at the end of the show, <laughs> but let's answer it at the beginning. So can it be done? I'm going to say yes, it can, but it's going to take pretty unique people People who are not living the traditional North American lifestyle, which is built on wants and desires. Rather, you're living a life of needs and and sort of assessing, not seeing the world for what you don't have, but seeing the world for what you need. And and I I think the average person on the street can't, cannot survive a minimum wage for an extended period of time. But a, a very unique, determined person, I think, could. So just to kind of provide context, we, we, we are all aware that you have a CPA designation, your background is accounting. We can kind of, I think it's safe to say, maybe we can make the assumption that you're not a minimum wage earner yourself. So how does your perspective play into the actual realities of living on minimum wage? So I live in a small town where there's not a lot of employment opportunities. And I, I know people who are attempting to survive on minimum wage. And I know I, I work with people who have friends or family that are attempting this struggle. And I, I guess there's people in my life that, that are on minimum wage or attempting to survive on minimum wage. And I'm observing the challenges they're meeting on a regular basis. So in that kind of Trevor being a very observant kind of way, you are, you're just kind of being very empathetic to the situations of others. Yeah. And I mean, you don't have to look too hard to figure out who's on minimum wage. I mean, if you know somebody that works at Walmart, chances are they're earning minimum wage. If you know somebody that works at a uh, clothing retail store, chances are they're on minimum wage. If you know somebody that works in a roadhouse type of restaurant or maybe a fast food restaurant is a better one the chances are they're on minimum wage so you don't have to search too far to to, to, to like uh, normally it's a mystery what people earn right but i think you can look at a particular place of employment and, and know that that's a minimum wage type of job so you have this really great line written in today's show notes, and I want to ask you about this because it's it really it made me smile. And uh, you wrote here, if you do figure out a way to survive on minimum wage, you actually have a superpower. So what does that mean? So this in in our country in Canada, or okay, so I live in Ontario. So in Ontario, minimum wage has been set at fourteen dollars an hour. So you cannot be paid any less than that. So here's my, my theory on income. The more, the higher your income, the higher at risk you are. So just say you earn a six figure income and you lose your job. Replacing that income, forget you may have qualifications galore, 
finding another six-figure income is going to be harder. I'm not saying you won't be able to, but it'll be harder than just say you earn minimum wage and just say you get laid off or the place goes out of business. I like the chances of the person finding another minimum wage job before the super qualified person finds another six-figure job. In fact, I even like the chances of a person with minimum wage getting another minimum wage job without even having to move or relocate. And the guy earning six-figure, I, I don't like your chances of, of getting another six-figure job without some sort of disruption to your living arrangement. Wow, you really become invincible. And, and the, so Canada's full of social programs and they, they look after the little guy a lot. And, and minimum wage at $14 an hour is, is, there's a lot lower minimum wages in, in the world or even in our country. So that's a, a great starting point. And just knowing that that's the minimum you can be paid, if you can figure out how to survive on that, you will always, I say always, almost always be able to be gainfully employed to support your lifestyle. So this realization, when did when did that hit you? When did that come to reala- to um, your your realization that was an individual? Because I, I I ask this because we do live in a society where education and doing things stereotypical societal accepted things to raise your earning potential is something that is not only. Um, accepted but encouraged so when did the realization hit you that wait a minute it's when you actually have this ability to be more flexible more agile more more everything else when you do live on on minimum wage because that that's a really novel concept that I've never heard before well I I think so I know somebody who they they were working a minimum wage job and the place they worked went out of business and I was at the, at first I was alarmed. I, th- I felt terrible for this person. And I, and I, I thought your, your world must, you must be devastated, but this person was extremely calm and collected. And I said, so what's your plan? You know, and I, in a very concerned nature and he says, Oh, I'll just find another job. And I didn't really, I, I thought, well, it's not that easy. And then he starts, you know, rhyming off places that he's already inquired about working. Then I realized, you're right. You, you, you are going to find another job and you're going to find one really quickly. So I, that's when I realized that it's a superpower. Wow. So I want to move, I want to move on to talking about, and this is going to sound a little backwards, but talking about when does it make sense to live on a minimum wage? And before we get into the list of, of scenarios when it makes sense, I kind of want to preface that with, with saying that sometimes a living on minimum wage, or maybe I'll post it as a question, is, is, is living on minimum wage, is being in that situation, do you believe a choice or something that you're kind of just thrown into? Because sometimes there is no option for that individual because that is where they are, if you know what I mean. Well, I think you got to ask the question, did you find this job or did this job find you? And I'm saying that in that, are you, are you being deliberate? Are you, were you deliberate when you, when you got your minimum wage job? Was that a job you, you wanted or is that the first job that showed up? So that's really uh, another way of, of framing that question. I like that a lot because I mean, even look around at the 
and we will talk about this um, later on the episode, but look around at even entry-level jobs. Um, sometimes that income level may not be um, a, a much higher than a, a, a minimum wage paying job. So when you, when you are fully educated, but entering into the workforce at the kind of the bottom of your career, that may be your, your point. So I, I like that kind of that mention to intentionality. And so if you are being deliberate and you get the job that you described, an entry-level job that pays minimum wage or just a, you know, a few dollars above minimum wage, if, if you sought out that job and it's, it's in your wheelhouse, it's in your career path, then yeah, you are being deliberate. But if you are, if you just landed the first job that you sort of went, you know, job hunting, and this is the first job that the place, place, the first place that accepted you, are you really being deliberate about your, your lifestyle choice? And in the same breath, when you do say, is this the first place that accepted you? If, if times are, are tough and your business, your previous um, place of employment went out of business and you are looking for a job, I mean, I think grasping at, at any opportunity in, in, in kind of desperate times like that are, I think, very, very um, admirable. Oh, I agree. Like you, you, if you need the money, you've got to take the job. But one thing is, it's really hard to find a job when you have a job. Oh, yeah. It's really, it's super hard. But a lot of times, if you go applying for jobs and you're unemployed, it's almost like the people can smell that on you, right? And and <laughs> if you're unemployed, it sounds it's horrible. True. But yeah, I mean, from it, it, I mean, everyone you, listening to this can relate. You're actually less employable if you're unemployed even though you're available today. But when people are unemployed, the the sensors go up as the interviewer and says, hmm, I wonder why this guy's unemployed. You know, I, I and you you all of a sudden, you become less employable, which is, it's kind of crazy, but it's the truth. Oh, it's so backwards. I've, in, I've interviewed people, I've been in interviews where people come in and we'll go through a series of interviews and you'll interview, you know, uh, some people and they all have jobs and then one guy comes in who's unemployed and the desperation in all of their answers to your questions are are so after interviewing three people who who have who currently have jobs and then the one guy who doesn't the desperation in that person's voice and in their actions and their mannerisms it, they just interview poorly because of that and it, it's it's awful that that that's how it unfolds, but it does. So I want to take a moment before we dive into when it makes sense to work a minimum wage job by actually defining a minimum wage, the purpose of this conversation today. So minimum wage, so I live in Ontario, Canada, and the minimum wage in Ontario is $14 an hour. So I did some quick math. So $14 an hour times 40 hours a week times 52 weeks a year, that's $29,120. And I found a fancy website and it tells me what the deductions on that would be. So the tax would be $34.37, Canada pension would be $13.07, and employment insurance would be $472. So your take-home pay would be $23,904. So monthly, that's just under $2,000 a month. So if you had a couple, so a, a spout, husband and wife, first life partners, and you both earn minimum wage, you would bring home about just under $4,000 a month or $47,000 a year. So I'm saying, you know, you ask the question, can it be done? I'm saying, yeah, it can be done. I think it can. 
And when we say minimum wage, we did make mention to kind of an entry level job or you might make a few dollars above minimum. Are we classifying, lumping everyone in together uh, for the purpose of this episode? Or are we strictly talking to the $14 an hour earners? I'd say within a few dollars of minimum wage, you're probably being grouped in the same thing. So I'll, I'll give you my story. So when I started working, uh, I worked at an, for an industri- uh, a packaging company and it was a, an industrial complex. So they there was an office and then there was a, an attached factory that did, made the packaging material. And I worked in accounting and I was making uh, just a few dollars above minimum wage when I started working there. It was an entry-level job. And the factory, the attached factory was unionized. And those guys were making, you know, 10, 12, $13 an hour more than I was, more than I was. Wow. And I, I could have easily got one of those jobs in a heartbeat. Cause, and so I, I ended up, I worked there for 10 years and I worked my way up through the company and obviously they earned more than minimum wage. But I, over the course of 10 years, they hired people, they went on, hiring frenzies periodically where they would hire a bunch of people and they'd have these group of people who'd retire and they'd replace them. I could have easily got a job in that factory and got into that union and been making, you know, the kind of money they were making and, and, you know, doing quite well. But I, I knew the the path I wanted. I stuck it out. I, I I earned a, a, I'm going to say a very low wage, just barely above minimum wage for, for a few years until I got that first promotion and the wheel started rolling. But boy, it was hard to to know that I had gone to school, got an education, and I, I'm sitting here earning significantly less than people who came right out of high school and got a job in that factory. That was really hard to swallow. So that really leads us into point number one of four of when it makes sense to survive on minimum wage. So the point number one is to build a career or that opportunity leads to greater prosperity. So in that moment, Trevor, when you had that entry level job, I I can imagine it was a tough pill to swallow to to know that you had this education behind you, know that you were you were you were working within your field, but that you weren't exactly earning um maybe kind of that that big figure salary you might have hoped or or eventually um, would earn. Well, the whole thing in in that world is they they. They get you on the path telling you, you know, you go to these, when you have a job like that, you have these annual reviews with your, your supervisor and they talk about your career path and where you hope to go. And, and it, it, it seems horribly unfair, but it's really, it's almost like you have to pay your dues in a, in a particular profession and start out at the bottom and prove to these people that you, you are willing to suffer at this low wage for a better opportunity and it seems unreasonable. I, I think it still goes on today. I I, I know I have young kids and I, I work with people who've got young kids. It, it, I think it might even be worse today because I've heard there's internships where you actually work for free to develop your a, a career path, which I think is 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 so wrong. I mean, that's that's called slave labor. <laughs> but but people are lining up to work for free just to get an op- just to get a foot in the door at a particular company. I, I think that's terrible. But it's I'm glad I did it. It worked out for me. I think it works out for most people. That the one of my problems was I I had a bunch of friends who did not go to post-secondary education. They just went right out of high school 
and got jobs at factories making a pretty decent wage and bought fancy cars. And I had that being thrown in my, in my face constantly, you know, and I was driving around in my parents' sedan <laughs> and, and it was, it was a struggle, but I, I'm so I'm going to say, but it worked out, but you know, you have to work hard. It, it didn't, there's a lot, I think there's a lot of people that it doesn't work out and they end up stuck in a, in a particular at a particular level where their career doesn't progress. So we've made mention to kind of career paths that may or may not require post-secondary education, but I think the same philosophy for point number one applies as well to maybe entry-level jobs that don't require any post-secondary education. I mean, for, for positions that pretend it, you're working at a, like you mentioned, Walmart, and, and you I'm sure there is definitely opportunity to start in an entry-level position um, that may require no um, ed- post-secondary education and then work your way up into more uh, senior management roles. Yeah, those do exist. The one risk with that is you end up being married to that company in that the experience and qualifications you've gained to become, say, a department manager at Walmart I don't know how transferable those skills are to some other organization. I'm not saying they're not, but they're not as universally transferable. So you you end up being married to that company and uh, somewhat at their mercy. So point number two of when living on minimum minimum wage makes sense is when you're entering or are in semi-retirement. So this is a way to supplement a retirement income and the reason this works is you don't have all the other life expect expenses those are behind you so you're you're done raising your children your mortgage is paid off you don't have any more car payments you're just looking for living money so minimum wage is more than enough money to for i believe for somebody to live off of in semi-retirement when i call semi-retirement you you might have left a very stressful corporate job and, and you might work in a, a less challenging uh, minimum wage job and, and be quite happy doing that for a period of time. So I think it makes sense then. If you're, if you're escaping a stressful career and you still want to be out in the community and, and be involved, this makes a lot of sense. The third scenario where it makes sense is if your minimum wage job is serving as supplemental income. So this would be somebody who, whose full-time gig is not covering their expenses. So it might not be a minimum wage job. It, it, it may pay you know, significantly more than minimum wage, but you still have a lifestyle that requires more income. So you might work an a evening job or a weekend job at minimum wage. So that, and I'm going to say, if you have a side, just say you have a, so I work in finance, accounting and finance, and just say I need a supplemental income. I, I'm saying if you're doing the, that job for eight hours a day, then your your side gig or your supplemental income should be in something completely different because you, you can't do one thing for eight hours a day and then go do it, the same thing somewhere else for another four hours. Or or if you work five days a week being, say, a, a um, an auto mechanic, I don't suggest you you do a weekend gig being an auto mechanic. I mean, you you solve those problems five days a week. You you don't want to be doing it seven days a week. You need something to change it. So, it makes it sense as supplemental income. And the reason I say minimum wage is it changes up the monotony. So when we talk to point number three here of supplemental income, my hesitation with this point, and I'm glad it's included in this list, is to stress that it may not be 
the income side of the equation with the expense side of the equation. And I know we will talk about more of this later on the episode, but is that a safe assumption to make? Or could I and the listeners argue that, Trevor, you can't possibly survive on $14 an hour. You definitely need supplemental income. It only makes sense. I definitely don't have a spending issue. It's definitely an income issue because it's only minimum wage. Like where, where does that kind of, where's the truth in that argument? Well, I mean, if, if you have a minimum wage job and it's not meeting your expenses, then you get another minimum wage job. I mean, okay, it, 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 either way, it's supplemental income. I'm saying make it a, uh, I'm choosing minimum a minimum wage as a supplemental income because I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be a lower stress type of job. But if, if your main job is a minimum wage job, and your your supplemental income job is a minimum wage job, it, they still should be different lines of work. But at what point would you caution the lister to maybe reevaluate re the expense side of the equation before adding on uh, a supplemental income option? Well, so I, I'm assuming you're you're being financially responsible. Maybe your supplemental income is, is something you really enjoy doing, Ooh, right? Yeah, it's I almost, like that. It's almost it's almost a hobby. It's it, and you just happen to get paid for it. But if just just say you have a spending problem, just say your spending is out of control. Well, I applaud you for going and getting a supplemental income to feed that bad habit rather than using credit and debt, right? So, if if this is your solution, I doubt it's a long term one because most people can't go seven days a week for you know twenty five thirty years. It it just doesn't work. So. Hopefully, this is just a, a, a bump along the road. And the fifth and final area where it makes sense to survive and, and earn minimum wage is when that opportunity is a summer position. Yeah, so if you are working a summer job, say you're going to high school or post-secondary education, and you need a, a, a short-term job, well, nobody's going to invest a whole bunch of training and in, in evaluation in you in, in because of that, you're you're not going to probably secure a, a, a six figure six figure salary as a summer job, right? You're gonna you're gonna the the amount of training a company's going to want to put into you for summer employment is going to be minimal. Therefore, the value you're going to add to an organization with minimal qualifications, minimal training is going to be minimal. So, you're going to end up with a minimum wage. Chances are. So I want to talk now about the concerns with living on minimum wage, and I want to follow that up with some unexpected benefits as well. So in terms of concerns of living on minimum wage, we have a list of seven here. And Trevor, is this, I don't want to say is this less obvious because anyone who is listening to this who is making minimum wage or a few dollars above that knows that there are struggles and because they may look around them at individuals who are earning more. But is it safe to say that earning more money isn't always, it could be something that you're looking at with rose-colored glasses in that you're just going to spend more? Like where does that kind of, that, that argument lie? The, the four scenarios where I think earning minimum wage makes sense, if you're not in those four buckets, I'm saying... If you are earning minimum wage, it these are my concerns to you doing that uh, forever, right? The, I, I think if you're earning minimum wage and there's prosperity on the horizon, 
then I say, do it, go at it. But if you're earning minimum wage with no prospects of, of ever getting out of that, that minimum wage cycle, I just think life is going to be, so you know my thing with, so money is the lubricant of life. It's not the be all and end all of life, but it's the lubricant. If you don't have enough money, life is a grind. And and on the flip side, if you have too much money, you end up having no direction in your life. So, but so on the on the minimum side, life it it will it will grind you to a powder if you are trying to get by on minimum wage, your entire life. I think it will just everything will will appear as a struggle. So you're saying then that our goal as society as individuals should always be to move out of the minimum wage earning uh, earning bracket and then and kind of look for strategies on how to make that happen. Well, our podcast tagline is your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. And I think if you want to have financial independence, at some point, you need to go through a, a I'll say a, a fairly good earning period in your life at some point. Now I start, I said I started out uh, making terrible money and right now I'm doing pretty good. So I, 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 it evolved, but it didn't happen on its own. I didn't just stumble into this, right? I had a bit of a plan, a, a direction I was heading in. Some things went my way. Sometimes things didn't go my way, but I kept persevering. But if you don't want life to be a grind at some point, I think you need to earn, uh, a decent income to, to get out of the grind of life. And one more question before we do move on to talking about the concerns with living on minimum wage. When when we are talking about moving that moving out of that, that doesn't happen by snapping your fingers. So, I mean, I think the big obvious one that we can think about when we talk about moving into a, a different earning bracket is by 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 educated by through education. But is there any other alternative ways? I mean, one that comes to mind is um, gaining experience within a career field and, and moving up that way. So, when I graduated from from high school. You could go get a job in a factory and get a really good paying job. Most of them are unionized, come with lots of benefits. Those jobs are have all, not all of them, but most of those jobs have moved to China. So that that's kind of off the table. And I remember back when I graduated from high school, I remember you could, you could work at Sears, the department store Sears, and you could earn a, a, a wage to raise a family, like support a family with. That that was a, a coveted job. P- people would say, you know, where do you work? Oh, I work at Sears. And people go, oh, wow, that's great. So that, that was a great job. Now, working in retail, I, my impression is you don't do that well. So it's, it is, I, I, I could be wrong, but I, I don't know anybody that works at, say, well, Sears is out of business now. <laughs> but um, I, I think a lot of retail jobs, they, they if they're not minimum wage, they're, they're closer to minimum wage than they are uh, six-figure jobs, right? Definitely. So l- let's jump into the concerns now about living on minimum wage. There's a list of seven um, that have been compiled. Um, so Trevor, your first item here is that living on, living on minimum wage is not a long-term solution. Living on minimum wage. Actually, you know, I want to go back to one more point. So you're, he, he, 
and I said you need to earn a, a salary at some point. So we're big fans of the minimalists. We we follow them. They're they have a blog and a podcast. There's these two guys that had these six figure jobs in the telecom industry, and they they were working eighty hours a week, making you know bucket full of monies, and they they left all that to to start their own blog and in sort of uh, consulting or mentorship program about minimalism and they they profess that they don't make very much money at all doing this but they just love what they're doing so remember I, I said you need to go through a period where you you have significant wealth a, a decent income to build some wealth well maybe you just need to know what that looks like and then if you don't like it, you can go to a lower cost lifestyle. But I, I think everybody needs to take that for a test drive. I'm glad you made that point because it definitely illustrates how living that life, that six-figure life, is not one that we should all be trying to attain for because it's 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 not for the minimalist. It's not the life that they want to maintain. And, and who are we to say that that is the life uh, our listeners should try to attain for as well? But I don't know if they could have came to that conclusion had they not give, given it a test drive first. I don't know if, if they could make, if they could look at it and say, oh, I don't think I'd like that. No, that's, that's fair. So back to our concerns of living on minimum wage. So number one was it's not a long-term solution. The reason this isn't a long-term solution is deprivation will catch up to you eventually. So just say you're, you're living on minimum wage and everything you desire or want is out of reach. And you just say, well, I can't afford that or it's, you know, it's not something I can have. But you live in our society where it's all around you. I, I think deprivation will wear you down over time. What if you are a very content person? So back to my thing, you said who could live on minimum wage. It's going to take a pretty unique person, somebody who who is very content, who has never had many wants in their life and probably never will. I mean, you're, you're not the cross section of, of our society today. So I, I agree with you. Those people are out there, they exist and they'd be content just reading a book in a park, right? They don't need excitement that, that most people do. So it, it can be done, but it's going to be a pretty unique person. The second concern is living on the financial edge for an extended period of time will wear you down. So this is different than deprivation. This is is make you know getting to the end of the month and making sure you can cover your rent and your utilities and you have enough for groceries when you're always at that financial edge and whether or not you're going to make your month there's an expression there's more month than money you know if you hit that where there you end up there's three more days in the month but you're out of money you know that that that's super stressful and so when you're on that financial edge all the time waiting for that next thing to go wrong that's going to suck that last dollar to your bank account. Living like that, for a period of time, you can endure it. But again, the money being the lubricant of life, if you don't have enough lubricant, this will grind you down over time. So I, I want to say this point might not be true for everyone, but maybe it is when we define over time. What, is, what does that mean to you? I mean, how long, what kind of, what kind of time frame are we looking at? If, if I'm a listener, I'm like, no, Trevor, this, you, that you're wrong when you say that. Well, if you committed to a 30 year career of, of minimum wage job, so just say you, you've committed to a, a particular line of work that 
will it pays minimum wage it will always pay minimum wage you, you, the chances of, of you might end up two dollars above minimum wage as a as a an assistant manager in a particular fast food industry J- just say that's your your outcome and you for 30 years so i'm saying over a period of 30 years being on that financial edge so you may not have had the the stress of losing your six-figure job and all the 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 corporate stress that people talk about or that exists but you will have other stresses that will wear you down and that financial edge that being close to that financial edge over and over and over will wear you down and and it's a stress that'll take its toll on you and I, i can say that in that i lived it for short periods of time early in my career and i knew i i didn't want that struggle for my whole life so i i know what it feels like i've been there and it it's it's uncomfortable and I, I, I didn't like it. So the third point, and I think this one is is really important when we have a discussion about living on minimum wage. And the point number three is raising a family could be and would be a challenge. And I, I think, I'm not saying it can't be done. Anything, you know, perseverance and, and the right approach. Again, if you can do this, you have a superpower. But I think raising a family, you would you would be sending your kids, say, to school. They would be exposed to what general society is giving their kids. And I'm not saying keep up with the Joneses, but you would have a lot of tough conversations with your kids. I, I, I Having raised a family myself, you tend to want to make your your kid's life easier or better than yours. That, that, that's, I, I watch my parents do that with me, and I watch me do that with my children. And I think it's just an instinct that you just want, you want to pave the path a little smoother for your child than you had it for you. And that's how we move forward as a society. So I think it's a good quality, but I think it would be really hard to, on a minimum wage, to make that road smoother for your child than it was for you, particularly if you weren't raised on a minimum wage lifestyle. I do really have to, and I admire every single parent and family out there who does make this work. That's... I, I, it's, it's, it's so admirable. And I'm not, I'm not saying it can't be done. And if you, if you, if you are succeeding at this, you have a superpower and I am jealous. <laughs> oh yeah. When we, I was going to ask this when we were done this list, but I'm, I'm going to ask it now and, and, and just maybe something to keep in mind as we keep going through the list are the, these concerns. I mean, they're pretty, they're pretty monumental. They're very moving and they're almost a little bit inspiring. I mean, this list, if you kind of flip it on its head and look at it from a different perspective, I mean, these concerns, these are reasons why I, I might want to be um, motivated to, to do whatever I can do in my power to move from minimum wage to, to, to do something that is going to push me into a different uh, earning bracket. Yeah, these, these are real life concerns. I, I, I think, again, this is a place you can visit. Minimum wage world is a place you can visit, but I don't think you can stay here for extended periods of time. So let's let's move to talk, talking about point number four of seven. And number four is credit could be your undoing. Again, this is a concern when you're living on minimum wage. So the where credit comes in here is it, if you're living on minimum wage, I, I don't like your chances of building a, a really good emergency fund. I don't like your chances of of building up that emergency fund to solve life's problems as they come up. So if you don't have an emergency fund or a really solid one, or just say you had one and an emergency 
came up that you had to solve and you just drained your emergency fund. And then shortly after that, another life emergency arrives and your emergency fund is empty. Well, if you're on minimum wage, it's going to take you, it's going to take you longer than I'm going to say somebody making a, a, a better wage to build that emergency fund back up. So the chances of you using credit to solve life's problems is pretty good. You know, I, I like the chance, I, I like, I don't, I don't like, but the chances are if you're living on minimum wage, at some point you're going to have to re- use credit to solve a life problem. And once you get into that, that vortex of owing on a life problem that you borrowed money to solve and you, you, at, at this point you're paying back that credit and you can no longer build your emergency fund because you're trying to pay off the last crisis and then another one shows up and, and that's just how life goes. I think you could end up in a very bad place in a hurry. And I want to say, I don't I don't think that this point could be even due to not planning or not saving properly. I think life just happens and in, in making um, minimum wage or in and around there, I mean, sometimes maybe that is not actually enough to cover um, whatever whatever gets thrown your way. So so you do have to use credit. Like, I just want to say that I think this is one that maybe the math sometimes doesn't make sense. Well, I, I looked at this website. I'm going to actually leave it in the show notes. I, I, it, it showed what a minimum wage take-home pay would be in, in every province in Canada. No, actually, it was it was major cities in Canada. And it showed what the average cost of living was in these cities. And most of them, the math didn't work. So the, it, it, actually, in Ottawa, the math didn't work. In Toronto, the math didn't work. And when I say the math didn't work, minimum wage take-home pay was X amount of dollars. The average cost of living was larger than that. So that, that's where, and just say you, you're able to live below the average cost of living. And it, it included transportation, housing, food, and all, every, all, the whole gamut. And let's just say you're able to be frugal and live below that. Chances are you're, you're, you're not living much below it, right? So there's no extra money there to solve life's problems. And that leads us perfectly into point number five. And point number five is location is important. So I'm so, I'm very fascinated to hear that the math actually doesn't make sense for some of the major cities in Canada. Yeah, and so if you, I have I've said this about a lot of things, but it really comes into play with minimum wage. If you live in downtown Toronto and you're earning minimum wage, you better you. There's no uh, the only reason I could get behind someone doing that is if the career path they're on can only be fulfilled in downtown Toronto. So you, if you are living in a metropolitan city earning minimum wage, the only reason you should be doing that is because your career prospects can only be met in that metropolitan city because you can earn minimum wage in any low cost area of the country. And so why wouldn't you live in the lowest cost area and earn minimum wage? The, the, the math is just going to make more sense. So if, if, and so we talk about temporary and long term. So if you can't solve your income equation, meaning increasing your income, then you have you have to at some point focus on the expense side. So how long should you wait to solve that income equation? Like what's reasonable? How long does it take to build a career? You got to ask those questions. So just say you've been 
going at it for five years and you're still at minimum wage or you know within a few dollars of minimum wage and you're in the downtown core of a metropolitan city, at what point do you say, okay, I'm not going to solve this nut. I have to move on and move to a low cost area. I'd, I, I picked five years. I certainly wouldn't wait 10 years, but you know, five years, is that too short? What do you think? I'd even say five years might be pushing it on too long. Just, I'd say anywhere actually between three to five years. I would not go any further than that to kind of justify where you are living. So I agree with you. So you, you get five years out. If you haven't solved the income equation in five years, chances are you're, you're not going to. And I'm not judging you. I'm just saying it's time to focus on the expense side of the equation. You, so why I like point number five so much is this is a hard question to ask yourself. This is a hard question to face. If you have moved to a metropolitan city, if you grew up in one and you're, you're kind of living on your own, doing your own thing, building your own career, asking yourself this question and kind of operating your whole life from where you are determined you are going to succeed, this this is something that maybe make, makes you want to put your tail between your legs because it's a, it's, it's a big thing that, that you may embark on to change and, and to kind of change your, your, your outcomes by uprooting yourself. It, 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 I wouldn't call it giving up. I would call it refocusing. So you just refocusing. I, I'm, not, I'm done trying to solve the income equation, giving the, the, the skill set I have and the job market that's out there. Just say you went to school for something and now it's obsolete. Well, that's not on you, right? You, you, you wouldn't have picked it if you thought it was going to go obsolete. But, but that's what you educated yourself in and there is no opportunity. So why? because we have this minimum wage mandated, this is the least amount of money you can be paid, why not focus on a low-cost region and you end up with, with a better outcome? I mean, at the end of the day, all, all that, it, your income minus your expenses is really what matters. Oh, for sure. And and while you're saying that, it made me think that you can also flip this on its head. If you have a very kind of specialized or unique education or interest, and you are trying to look for employment opportunities within a metropolitan city, when in actuality, that uh, that expertise would actually earn you a, a higher paying job in the middle of nowhere. Maybe that's where you need to be. So accepting kind of minimum wage because you can't work within your field in a metropolitan city versus moving away, changing your location and, and really actualizing what you want to do. I mean, if you want to get extreme, there's places, you know, way up north that will pay a premium for people who are willing to relocate. Uh, now, there is an added cost. From what I understand, food costs a lot when you get way up north, but that, that, that's a consideration too, is, is a lot of these uh, remote places are willing to pay a premium for people who, who are willing to relocate. I'm sidetracking us a little bit when I say this, but when I asked earlier, what else can we do to move ourselves from minimum wage? When you mentioned we can kind of relocate to an obsolete area, it reminded me of the one important point that we could increase our earning potential by doing things that no one else are willing to do. 
um, whether that means working seasonal work, whether that means working um, kind of uh, overnight work or working maybe just kind of uh, a career field that maybe more, more people aren't delving into, things like that I think are, are valuable. You bring up a good point with the seasonal work. A lot of people are not, they, they really want, I'll, I'll say the easy way out. They just want a steady job. But if you're willing to work seasonal work, meaning you have a summer gig and a winter gig, a lot of times you'll be, you'll be paid a premium for offering that flexibility. So that, that is a really good point. Let's move on to point number six of seven. And we are going to get back to, Trevor has uh, a note in our show notes about something he wants to talk about as well, um, something you can embark on in place of education. So we will revisit that again near the end of the show. Uh, but point number six is you will not be able to build wealth. And I, I kind of want to disagree with this point, but I want to hear uh, your perspective on this. Well, when I say build wealth, I'm talking about in investments you're not you're not going to get to a place where you're going to have a source of passive income to consider yourself financially independent if you're earning minimum wage you're generally just covering your costs there is no extra money at the end of the month at the end of the week to invest now i'm not saying again a very unique person who lives a very frugal lifestyle they, they may in fact be able to do that. So it, it can be done, but it, it will be a challenge. It will be a grind to do it. So, but you're, you're not going to, chances are you're, you're not going to buy a house. You're not going to um, have, you know, investments like index funds and, and those type of things. They're, you may do it sporadically, but you're not going to do it on, on, on a regular basis to build up significant passive income that you would be able to consider yourself financially independent. Our tagline is your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. Well, to get to financial independence, it requires enough investment income to pay, to cover your expenses. So to get to that place at some point in your life is going to take an, a certain amount of wealth to, to build that. I like the definition. When we talk about wealth, we talk about significant amount of wealth. I like that. And the final concern with living on minimum wage is ask yourself this tough question. And you did mention it earlier, Trevor. It is, are you really being deliberate? And I'm not saying you're not. If you're in minimum wage and you are doing something you, you, just, you just truly love, this is your passion and you're making minimum wage. And there's, there's this question I, I've heard and read. And it's a fabulous question. What would you do if you could never retire? So if you have that kind of job that you just, you could do it forever, you, you can't even believe they're paying you to do it, housing minimum wage, but you love it, then you are being deliberate. But I'm going to say most of the people earning minimum wage, that job found them, they didn't find that job. So that's our list of concerns with living on a minimum wage. And I do want to touch on any other potential positives that do come out of, of earning minimum wage. You mentioned the big one, obviously we've been talking about it all episode, that you do have that superpower, that ability to be flexible, to to move between job to job. Is there any other big um, positives or pros that come out of earning and living on a minimum wage? Well, if you earn minimum wage, we talked about location, but you can live anywhere and earn minimum wage. So you could be a nomadic lifestyle and if you develop a, a skill working in the fast food industry and get gain that experience you could get a job anywhere and, and, and earn that wage so 
if you want to, you know, live in different towns and cities and, and move around a lot, if that's, if that's a lifestyle you covet, then being able to survive a minimum wage would enable you to do that. I kind of have two other points to add myself in terms of the positives of earning a minimum wage. And the first one is stress and and not stress of actually having the job, but stress of not being afraid of losing the job. I know you you mentioned that you moved to you moved your whole family to a small um, town and, and and got a job there, which kind of you you have mentioned that it's it's made you there's not exactly a lot of employers maybe looking for accountants within your small town, so that was kind of your one place of employment. Uh, but when we looked towards uh, earning and living on minimum wage, really the the kind of the stress of losing your job kind of goes away. I agree with you. It, it, if inf- the only the downside to that is you might. And I'm not saying you do, you would, but you might have the, the, so you don't have the work stress, but you might have the home stress of, of, can I pay my bills? So you might be trading one set of stresses for another, but if you're not, if you've solved that nut and the, your expenses are, are easily managed through minimum wage, then you are hundred percent correct. Oh, of course. And, and that's why I was very kind of deliberate in saying that it was just the stress of, of not losing your job or being knowing you'd be okay if you lost your job because of course there are definitely stresses that come along in the other the other side of it like you said and my other question for you and I, this is just I'm just throwing this out there because it was just kind of a thought I had as a positive of of earning and living on minimum wage is when when tough times hit the economy how do you believe that minimum wage careers jobs positions fair is it can you generalize in saying that there is some safety or or lack of safety in those times well i, I think that those are generally frontline workers minimum wage and let's just say you were earning minimum wage in a factory and we fell into a recession and the orders for that factory were cut in half well, they're going to lay off the frontline workers first. And I'm going to say th- they might lay off the accountants last, right? Or the, the plant manager for sure would be last. So those frontline workers, they, they tend to be the most vulnerable to uh, a downturn in the economy. If you work in a fast food restaurant and the economy goes into a tailspin and less people frequent that restaurant, well, the first people to go are those front counter people, right? You don't need as many of them. You don't need as many cooks. So I think you, your employment now again your ability to find another job, a minimum wage job. I mean that's all you're looking for to replace a minimum wage income. I like your chances, but if everybody's laying off their frontline workers because of a down economy, then it becomes harder to find that job. No, and that that does make sense. So Trevor, to kind of wrap up or conclude this episode. Um, you have here another kind of idea or, or 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 opportunity to to embark on in place of education to kind of further further pursue other opportunities beyond minimum wage earnings. So I looked into it. Just say you you don't have traditional education. A solution around that to end up with a a really good income is to buy into a franchise, and like so. A common one is McDonald's or Tim Hortons. Of course, those are those cost million dollars, right? Those are really expensive. So, generally, people don't have that kind of money to invest into a big name franchise. But I did look up this one, and and this information I'm going to leave it in the show notes. But everyone's heard of No Frills, the grocery store No Frills. Well, I found on their website 
that you can buy into their franchise for $50,000. And if you don't have the $50,000, they will loan it to you. So that's a pretty good deal right there. And you end up with a, um, uh, an, a, you end up getting a salary as well. So it, in it, this was, uh, I, I think 2017 data. It was, it was $50,000 to $70,000 salary was the range. It, it kind of depends where you, your, where your no frill store is. And so some of the things you have to do, you have to, um, take specialized training provided by no frills. You have to spend some time working in one of the stores to understand how the store works. You, um, you have to be willing to relocate to wherever there's a no-frill store available to be franchised. So if one becomes available in Elliott Lake, which is way up in Northern Ontario, you have to be willing to relocate there. There's chances, the one company in your town, it, it's it's just probably not going to happen. It's not going to work out. And the uh, you have to make a four-year commitment. So that's, so again, if that might not be for everybody, but that that is something an interesting solution to solving the minimum wage nut that's that is really interesting and the thing is too i'm sure there are so many this this is an incredible kind of opportunity to pursue but this in and among i'm sure so many other kind of innovative um out of the box ways that that you can really really kind of move uh, past a minimum wage into into making a sizable income and this kind of checks some of the boxes that you were talking about. So are you willing to go somewhere nobody else is willing to go? Well, just chances are that if you're new to this no frills business, you're going to be getting the furthest outpost. There is a no frills, right? So it'll be a very remote place. Are you willing to commit for four years? That's something not everybody's willing to do. So I think it's a unique opportunity. And I, I searched, there's, there's more of these. I mean, I just stumbled on this once. So I wanted to give an example, but not having an education, I'm going to say it's, that's really not an excuse. I think there's, you have to be resourceful and, and I think you'll, you'll see there's options. I love this option too. So Trevor, that brings us to the end of today's show on living on minimum wage and can it be done? What's our verdict? Can it be done? I think it can. It just takes a really unique person. And on that note, thank you so much for joining us today on our episode on living on minimum wage. Thank you so much for being here with us. We can't wait to have you back here with us next week for a brand new episode. If if you have any thoughts or feedback on this episode and how maybe living on minimum wage has worked for you, you can always reach out to us through our contact submission form on our website, livelifesimple.ca or via email at livelifesimple365 at gmail.com. Those, as well as the information we talked about today, will be found in the show notes so you can review it after. Again, thank you so much for being here with us. We'll see you next week for a brand new episode. Until then, keep it simple.